Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Today I want to speak a little bit about what is it that moves us? What breaks our heart? What is it that stirs our lives? Uh, if you are a rugby league fan, you would have seen the whole of Brisbane moved and moved powerfully this week by the Brisbane Broncos versus the Redcliffe Dolphins. Uncle Richard, I know you are the greatest Brisbane Broncos fan in the world. And I believe you went well this week, my friend. We're praying for you this week and we're standing in the gap for you. Continue to pray for you. Yeah, I think I prayed too hard because the Broncos went and won. I know God just did that because He loves you, my friend. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah, well, how could I forget? How could I forget, Uncle Richard? Listen, I am a New South Wales supporter. Living in this state of Queensland. And listen, I have had many heartbreaks. Eight painful years in a row of Queensland winning. Don't make me stop praying for you, Uncle Richard. Many painful years of heartbreak. Listen, I remember a few years ago, New South Wales was on a roll. We'd won like one series in a row, which was powerful, powerful. And then we got the next series. There was no way we could lose that series. And then those New South Wales team, go and break my heart yet again. You know what's even sadder? Some of my kids go for the morons. Oh, sorry, I mis- misread my notes. The Maroons, the Maroons. Sorry, I just mi- misread the notes there. The Maroons, the Maroons. Dusu, hassling me. How, how's, how can this girl go for Queensland? Jay, Joshua. Oh, my Lord, those children, those children, unfaithful children to the kingdom of God. Broken my heart. Many years. You know what's even sadder? I'm a shark supporter. I've been going for the shark since I was a kid. 40 plus years of going for a loser. Let me tell you, that's a lot of broken heart. 2016. Listen, it took a whole bunch of peptides for us to finally win. We had to cheat to win. I went for the Sharks. In, in, if, if anyone's old like me and remembers, back in the Super League days, we spent $50 trillion on players and we still lost to the Broncos. I was at QET2 Stadium when we lost and I walked out heartbroken yet again. Listen, our hearts, and we saw that this week, the whole of Brisbane was moved. Whether you're a Broncos supporter or a Dolphins supporter, I'm an anti-Broncos supporter, so that made me a Dolphins supporter. Heartbroken yet again, yet again. You know, there's lots of things that break my heart. Fishing sometimes, I get a broken heart. Uh, Andrew Jones, are you in the house? This poor Andrew Jones is sick and tired of me telling stories. He's probably hiding somewhere, knowing that this story was coming because we were diving together on Friday and this big Spanish mackerel started swimming underneath me. It was, thing was huge, 30 kilos, massive Spanish mackerel. I see it swimming under me, and I see this little man chasing behind with a spear gun in his hand and pulling the trigger and watching that spear completely miss that 30 kilo Spanish mackerel. And him come to the surface absolutely heartbroken. Tears were rolling down his cheeks. 
Listen, I've been heartbroken a bunch of times, missing fish. And those things break your heart. The funny thing about spearfishing, you, when you want to shoot a fish really bad, you get a thing by the name of buck fever. It's when you start aiming and your hand's shaking like this because you're saying, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, <laughs> miss. Can I have an amen from somebody knows those sorts of things that happen? You know, those things can be heartbreaking, but they're not the real depth of what breaks our hearts. They're not the real depth of what it is that moves us on the inside and what should actually move us. And I ask that question today, what is it that should move us, that should move our hearts, that should break our hearts? What are the things that should do that on the inside of our lives? And honestly, I think the best way to really answer that question is to look and see what moved Jesus. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, some of the things that move Jesus are a little different to some of the things that move us. Even as Christians sometimes, the things that we get passionate about aren't always the things that Jesus was passionate about. I think about uh, at times we can be passionate about what we look like at church. Praise God, some of you in the room spent three hours in front of the, uh, the mirror today putting your makeup on. Not, not saying or pointing any fingers today on who those people would have been, but sometimes we, we more worry about what we look like and we get so passionate about what the outside looks like that we miss really the reality of the things that are genuinely, genuinely important. You know what Jesus said when he looked around the Pharisees when they worried about what happened on the outside and what they looked like? Matthew 23 said this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like a righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Isn't it incredible? Sometimes we worry about the outside of what everything looks like in that way. In fact, some of you probably walked into church and thought, finally, Pastor Tim has put on a tie <laughs> and worn it to church. Can I be honest? I wore this tie as a living example of the reality of this. We put on a tie, we worry about those things, but we have a dying world around us that are going to hell. You know, the Wesleyan Revival, one of the most powerful revivals the world has ever seen, transformed entire nations. But within 50 years of John Wesley's death, the Methodist church refused to let dirty people come in. They had to stand outside and look in through the windows because they cared more about how people looked than what God was trying to do in a heart. What should move us? Listen, praise God for nice clothes. Praise God for beautiful ties. And yes, I do own a number of them. Most of them Yannick bought for me. <laughs> but listen, there's more at stake when it comes to Jesus than how we look on the outside. I'm not saying come to church without makeup on. I'm not saying come in your Sunday worst. But God cares more about some different situations. In fact, you know, I, I, I've seen and traveled the world and seen some churches that were incredibly beautiful. And sometimes I think Christians 
care about what a church looks like in the building more than they care about what, again, is happening in the world around them. And they use the Scripture out of Mark 11 and Matthew 21 on Jesus' passion for the house of God. Mark 11, Jesus walks into the temple. And the Bible tells us there were people selling doves and and changing money in the temple. And, And Jesus walks into the temple and is incensed and upset. And it says this, when they arrived to Jerusalem, verse 15, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. And he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. Listen, if you hear the words of what he says here, he doesn't say my temple was a beautiful building that should always look really lovely and nice. He says this, it was a place that the nations would come together and they would pray. Jesus' passion wasn't for a building, it was for the people that would enter that building. In fact, if you go into Matthew 21, you see he makes that statement in a powerful way. But in verse 14, he says, Then the blind and the lame come into the temple and he healed them. Listen, Jesus' passion in that situation wasn't for a building. It wasn't for what happened within a a room. It was for the people that would walk into that room and would be healed and transformed by the power of God. Listen, sometimes we get so caught up in these physical things, how we look, what the building looks like. Praise God for air conditioning. Can I have an amen from someone that's grateful for that? Praise God for a well-kept, beautiful building. Praise God for those things. But listen, a well-kept, beautiful building and air conditioning are here for one reason. They're here so that people could walk into the house of God and could experience the power of Jesus and could experience the Word of God and could experience the outworking of God. When we look at what Jesus was passionate about, yes, He was passionate for the temple, but He was passionate for the temple so that people could walk into the temple. If we go and look through the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, we look through these books, we see many times that Jesus was moved with passion, moved with compassion, was stirred in His heart, was heartbroken for situations. We see it many, many times. Mark chapter 6, verse 33 to 34. Jesus steps foot off a boat and he looks around, he recognized people. And when, he, and, and when they sorry, saw them leaving, many people from the towns ran ahead along the shore when Jesus was on a boat and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And if we can read on the story, healing many, many people. This is an incredible story. Jesus is there and he's probably a little tired of people. Listen, I, I get when we have tiredness of people. I get the reality of people fatigue. And Jesus had that at this moment. So he got on a boat. I need a second of myself. I need to pray and reset my mind. But he goes to travel to the other side of the lake and everyone sees him going and they run ahead and they meet him there. And he steps foot off that boat and he looks and it says he was moved again with compassion for people that look like they were sheep without a shepherd. Think with me for a moment. What would Jesus do today if he stepped out of a boat off the Brisbane River onto the shores of Brisbane? He'd be moved with compassion because he would see a nation and he would see a city like sheep without a shepherd. 
like sheep without a shepherd. He would be moved by a generation that are completely and utterly lost in deception. They have confused morality, outworking their lives lost and broken. They have confused spirituality, not knowing where to find the God that can truly and utterly transform their lives. Confused sexuality. Utterly confused with the lies and the deceptions that are prevalent in the world that we live in today. Confused purpose. No understanding of why they even walk on this planet. So confused. They can't even see their creator and the one that built purpose into their lives. And Jesus was moved with compassion. Listen, if we want to understand what should move us, we should see what moved Jesus. He was moved with compassion when he stepped out of the boat. Matthew chapter 8 tells us that he was walking through a a street and a leprous man cried out to him and said, will you heal me? And he was moved with compassion. Listen, he was moved with compassion and he didn't just pray, he laid hands upon the dirty leprous man that should never be touched. He was moved with compassion for that man. He was one that shouldn't be touched, shouldn't be even close to, but he laid hands on him and he was healed. In Matthew chapter 14, he was there, he was healing the sick and then he finished healing many and preaching many hours and he was moved with compassion. He said, we must feed these 5,000 men. He was moved with compassion. Matthew chapter 15, again healing the sick, again preaching the word. And he was moved with compassion and they fed another 4,000 men. Matthew chapter 9. He was moved with compassion because they were scattered and he healed them all. Luke chapter 7, verse 13 to 15. He was moved with compassion when he saw a, a weeping group of people carrying a dead boy. So he said, everybody get back. He laid hands on that dead boy and that dead boy rose. Why? Because his heart was broken for humanity. Compassion, broken heart. He was moved. Jesus was moved for humanity. He was moved for people around them. He was moved for a lost and scattered generation. Again, if he stepped foot on the shores of Brisbane today, he would be moved. He would be moved in a lost city. He'd be moved in a lost region. Listen, I know some of the things that go on around us are frustrating. Some of the things we see today, even the attacks upon the church are very frustrating to our hearts and we can see humanity in the light of frustration. But we can understand Jesus stood here. The thing that frustrated him wasn't the broken lost people. He was compassionate for them. It was the religious ones that stood against him. He was moved with compassion for the lost and broken. He was moved with compassion. Listen, how do we develop that? How does that actually develop in our lives? Matthew chapter 18. Jesus speaking again. He's talking to those around that had tried to stop little ones coming to him. And he says, beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of the heavenly father. Do you know there is an incredible statement said right here. He goes on, and I'll come back to that. In verse 
12, he says, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go in search of the one who is lost? And he finds it. I tell you the truth. He will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. Listen, this is one of the most profoundly incredible passages in the Bible. For 2,000 years, theologians have, have argued over this verse. Theologians have wondered about this verse. But in it, we see a powerful, profound truth on what it is that stirs in the heart of Jesus for people. He makes a statement here. He says, don't look down on the little ones because if you understand what's going on in heaven right now, something profound is happening because little ones are turning their eyes to me. Something profound is going on. Listen, if you want to have a depth of understanding of God's heart for people, you have to have an understanding and capture the majesty of what God is. Listen, we serve an incredibly powerful God. The Bible tells us that He spoke and the world came into existence. It was a word uttered from His mouth that was powerful enough to bring the world that we know, to bring the universe we know into existence. This is the God that we serve. The God that we serve is well able, as we've heard already, to heal cancer in somebody's body. The God that we serve is well able to do miracles in people's lives. The God we serve is well able to cause His Son to die for our sins and to rise again and conquer sin and death. Yet that incredibly powerful God is in love with humanity. In fact, so much so, the Bible says in this point, He is so in love. The angels are worshipping around the throne because this dynamic, powerful God is in love with His creation. Is so in love with His lost and broken people in the world around us. So in love that He would leave the 99. Listen, if you're sitting in your seat and you have a deep faith with Jesus Christ, you're the 99 right now. He left you to engage with that neighbour of yours that partied all last night so you didn't get enough sleep to put on your beauty face to get to church this morning and you turned up grumpy because of that neighbour and you wanted to shoot them all night. You wanted to call the police. You wanted to throw rocks on their roof. You wanted to do so much stuff. Jesus left you to come after Him. Ah, that person that, that just, just outworks their life in such a wrong way and, 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 it, and it makes me angry that they would outwork their, their life that way. Jesus left you to go after them. Ah, that person that did me wrong and I hate them. Jesus left you to chase after them. Why are the angels in heaven? Because they're rejoicing that this dynamic, powerful God is in love with His humanity in the midst of their brokenness. You know, sometimes we come to church with our beautiful Sunday ties on, looking fantastic, looking incredible, and forget that Jesus left the 99 to chase after us when we were partying next door to the rotten Christians. When we were doing the wrong thing and living our life the messed up way. Yeah, I can see some faces in this room. You know and remember just now. It just come back to your remembrance what I'm talking about. He left the 99. He chased me. 
and he's chasing your neighbour. He's chasing your work colleague that is causing you pain. He's chasing that, that sibling of yours that you want to slap around. He's chasing after those people right now that are carrying their placards and standing out in front of churches in a messed up lifestyle and a broken morality. He's chasing them as well. And he's in love with them. And the angels are dancing around heaven because we serve this powerful, incredible, majestic God that is in love with his broken and lost generation. You know, sometimes we see youth ministry and it's crazy and it's wild and kids are doing stupid stuff and putting holes in the walls in church and all that messed up stuff. But in amongst it, we forget that Friday night, 16 young people made a decision to follow Christ. Listen, if 16 young people are going to come and follow Christ, put a hole in the wall. Scratch some stuff, smash some windows. Listen, I'm not telling them to do that, and Braden's not here, that's why I said that. But listen, we've got to understand, Jesus walked into this room, he wouldn't care one bit about a broken hole in the wall, smashed window. He wouldn't care one single bit about the mess left around. He'd be looking and saying, here's 16 young people that just turned their lives to me. What a beautiful thing. That's the majesty the majesty of our God. He'd say some of them are never going to turn up to church with their Sunday tie. Some of them may turn up to church looking a little messy and a little broken because of the homes that they come from that leads them into the house of God. But Jesus was moved and he said, I'm chasing that one and I'm chasing that one and I'm chasing that one. We're to be captured by the majesty of our God that loves the broken and the lost. Listen, you may be walked in this morning feeling like you're a little messy and broken. Let me tell you, you walked into this room because Jesus has been chasing you. You maybe haven't stepped foot in church for a long time. I want to tell you today, Jesus loves you. In all of his majesty, in all of his greatness. You're in this house because He loves you. He wants to engage with you. He wants to call you to Himself. Today, He wants to build a relationship with you afresh. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you haven't prayed forever. Maybe you haven't even never stepped foot in church. Jesus loves you and He wants relationship with you. That's the truth of it. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And And He healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Listen, and he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his field. These are Jesus' words. He moved with compassion and he saw people around him going to a Christless eternity. Listen, we've got to be moved by the magnitude of who God is and His majesty, but we've got to be moved and capture the, the magnitude of eternity. Listen, Jesus didn't look at clothes and didn't say, gee, they're not dressed well enough. Can you get them some nice clothes? He didn't look at the building and saying, listen, we're not taking them to a nice enough temple. He looked at the people and He said, there's a great harvest and we need to pray that God would activate us and many others to go to that harvest, to reach people that don't know me, 
Because listen, people living without Christ have hell here on earth, but long term they have hell in a Christless eternity. And Jesus said, pray that we'd be stirred back to the harvest, back to lost people, back to people around us that don't know Christ. D.L. Moody, many years ago, great evangelist, great pastor, had an interaction with an atheist. And in this interaction, they debated around their belief around God and around a whole range of different things. And that atheist made a statement that D.L. Moody never forgot for the rest of his life. He said this, D.L. Moody, if I believed what you believed about the coming impending doom of people that don't know your Christ... He said, I would get on my hands and knees, crawl over broken glass, right across the whole of London, warning people to flee from the coming wrath in their lives. If I believed, Neil Moody, what you believe, that is what I would do. Jesus looked and was moved with compassion. And because he was moved with compassion, he said, now go. Now go. Go and reach people that are going into a crisis eternity. What moves us? What moves us? Listen, it's fine having passion for football. It's fine having passion for things around us. But are we genuinely moved by the people in our neighborhoods right now? Are we genuinely moved by those around us that don't know Christ? Are we moved? Are we moved? Last year, somebody sent me a photo. And if we can, can we bring that photo up on the platform? This is a photo of a moment in the middle of our service. If I look at that photo, I'll properly cry. In that photo, I was standing right here on the platform. Our baptism tank was right over there. Hey, next week, we've got baptisms here in the house. If you haven't been baptized, great opportunity for you to be baptized. Baptism tank right there. John, you're in that tank. My Bill Dusu in that tank with her mamu sitting up the back. Listen, we have prayed for so, so long, so long together, Dusu and I. The reason Dusu's got that terrible look on her face is she's looking up saying, Pa, you're embarrassing me right now. Can you stop bawling up on that stage? That moment is one of the best moments of my year last year. Because people matter. We've, I don't know how long ago we prayed. We prayed for your mum. Listen, is mum perfect? Hey, this is the beauty of transformation in Christ. It's a process and it's a wonderful one. But a moment to say, I want to be water baptised. I'm receiving Christ. He's in my life. That moment moved my heart. And I've spent many hours praying and crying leading up to that moment. What moves our heart? What moves our heart? What moves our heart? Are lost people moving our heart? Is our dying city moving our heart? Are the people around us that are broken and lost moving our heart? The lost of this world needs to move us. Because Jesus stepped foot off a boat and he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. Most of what Jesus did was out of compassion for a lost and a dying world. Can we see 
the beautiful majesty of our King and our Savior and our God. And the reality that eternity without Him is a long, broken time. A long, broken time. And let that move us. Let that move our hearts for our siblings, our families, our neighbours, our work colleagues, the people around us that don't know Christ. Can we be moved? Can we be moved? Can we be moved for people around us? Listen, we're moved by what we look like. We're moved by buildings. We're moved by theology. We're moved by all these things. But at the heart of all of it is a majestic God in love with His creation. So in love that He leaves the 99 to embrace the one. I am grateful. He embraced me. I am grateful that He loves Musukane. I'm grateful that He embraced us and brought us into His kingdom. I'm grateful. Grateful for his love for humanity. That he's in love with me today. That he's in love with your neighbor. That he's in love with your work colleague. That he's in love with that sibling you have been on your knees for for a decade. That he's in love with that parent you've been praying for, that child you've been praying for. That he's in love with that person you haven't wanted to pray for, you'd wanted to pray against. He's in love with them as well. He's reaching into their lives as well. In fact, he's left you. He's chasing them. He's chasing them. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you love us. You love humanity. You're in love with humanity. And your grace stretches over humanity. Thank you. Thank you, my King. Thank you, my Jesus. So much so that Paul writes that while we're yet in our sin, Christ, you died for us. While we're in our mess, Christ, you died for us. While we're in our broken state, Christ, you died for us. Thank you, Jesus. My heads are bowed, eyes are closed in this place this morning. Maybe you're here today, you don't know Christ. Not even sure what you're doing in church this morning. I can tell you here because Jesus is chasing you. He loves you and he wants to walk with you. Right now in your seat, if you're in this room, you don't know Christ, I would love to pray for you. If you want to come into a relationship with Jesus, I'd love you to give me a wave and just say, yeah, Pastor Tim, can you pray for me right where I'm at? I, I want to come into a relationship with Christ. I'm here in the room today. I need to know Jesus. I need to walk with him quickly across the room. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you because this is your moment. It's your moment. Yeah, Pastor Tim, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me quickly today. If you're here in this room, Jesus wants to meet with you. It's a, it's a powerful moment. For me, 20 plus years ago, he changed my life in a moment just like this. Quickly, is anyone like that? Before we wrap up this service, Jesus wants to meet with you. Jesus wants to interact with you. Just give me a wave. Yep, Pastor Tim, pray for me. Right across this room. My Jesus, I thank you now for your beautiful love and grace. For your beautiful love and grace that you stretched out over all of us. A grace 
that brought many of us back to you. That grace that dragged us out of our sin, dragged us out of our despair, dragged us out of our confusion, dragged us out of our deception, and it brought us into your kingdom. Thank you for that great grace. That beautiful grace that shifts our hearts, shifts our lives, that moves us every day. That great grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I pray today that we would continue to glimpse the majesty of who you are and the magnitude of eternity without you. What that would mean to our neighbour, what that would mean even to that one in our lives right now that we are frustrated with. God, even that one that at times we felt like praying against, even that one at times we're so frustrated and challenged by. There's people that stood against us. God, let our hearts be continually moved like you did when you stepped out moved with compassion. Move our hearts again with compassion for people. That we can look past our own perceptions, our own perspectives, and we'd see people as you see them lost and in need of a great shepherd that would guide them. That our hearts would be moved. That our hearts would be I pray that this church would be a church always moved by compassion. We'd be moved not with frustration at the world around us, but as you are with compassion for lost and broken, dying people in need of, a, of Christ, that they wouldn't go to a Christless eternity. God, even those that in the past weeks have written against us, spoken against us, that our hearts would be moved with compassion for them. God, those around us, that are broken and lost and causing us hurt and pain, that our hearts would be moved with compassion for them. As your heart is. As your heart is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We continue to see people as you do. Continue to see them as you do, Jesus. With compassion love, with grace. God, let that be a hallmark of City Point West. Let that be a hallmark of who we are. Compassion for the world around us. Our neighbours, our friends, colleagues, enemies. Move with compassion. In the midst of difficulty in relationships, in the midst of challenge of situations, hearts be moved with the realisation that Jesus, you're chasing the ones. You're chasing the ones. You're chasing the ones. And we thank you, my King. We thank you for your majesty that plucked us out of our sin, that plucked us out of our brokenness and brought us to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Stir us again to move to that harvest. Stir us again.
to see lost and broken people as You do. Stir us again to get past ourselves, to get past our own lives, to get past our own perceptions. Our own perspectives, our own challenges, to move back to the purpose of the Kingdom of God. We thank You, Jesus. We thank You, Jesus. And all that agreed in the house said, I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.